quick glimpse. If you haven't seen the movie, just very quickly, it's a story about two sisters, Elsa and Anna. They're the best of friends growing up as young children, little girls. They loved playing together out in the snow, but Elsa had these special powers, and they were to be able to make things around her like winter, frozen. One day when they were playing together, Elsa accidentally injures and hurts her with these powers. And from that moment on, Elsa, out of her love for her sister, pulls herself away from her sister, locks herself behind a door to protect her sister. But Anna doesn't know that's the reason. She just knows that her best friend is all of a sudden no longer being her friend. And so they grow up together, isolated from each other, lost their parents, And they grow up to the point at 18 years of age where it's time for Elsa to be coronated as the new queen of the kingdom. She allows that to happen, comes out from behind the closed door for the first time, opens up the palace and allows others in to watch her be coronated. It's also the first time Anna's had a chance to see other people and be with other people. And as one who's been longing for love all of her life, there on that night falls in love with a good-looking prince and he asks her to marry him and she says yes. And then, also before the night's over, they discover Alice's powers, and they become so, so powerfully affecting people around her in the community, because when her emotions are out of control, everything around her freezes, and at the moment, there's an eternal winter unleashed on the kingdom. Alice races away from these powers, from this experience, and goes up into the mountains to hide, horrified at what she has done. <coughs> And Anna goes chasing after her. And along the way, she comes across Kristoff, the guy with the reindeer, who tries to assist her in finding her sister and saving the kingdom. The rest of the movie is basically the quest of how all of that happens. And at the end, we discover, not unlike most Disney movies of this ilk, that it takes true love to bring about happiness. But... Unlike other Disney movies, this true love, well, it's not like the rest. And so that's a summary, very quickly, of the movie Frozen. And now I invite you to hear another story as equally powerful and truly amazing. I'm reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. 
I have said these things to you so that you may you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? The words in my mouth and the thoughts that are moving in our hearts and minds be surrendered to you. Take over this time and allow your message and your grace and most of all you to be revealed and experienced. We pray this loving Lord by the power and grace that comes from you and you alone. Amen. When we were first talking about this and I was thinking about this series, I knew I wanted to have at least one animated feature, partially because um, I was hoping to have a, a movie that the children and younger families would want to come to. Now I know 7 o'clock on a school night's not a prime for that, but a few more came out um, this past uh, Tuesday to see it. Um, I also wanted to have an animation because, quite frankly, I don't have any kids to use as an excuse to go see it, so I used you and got to go see Frozen um, uh, and enjoyed it. I, I, one of my takeaways, of course, is, is the animation has changed since I was a kid. Cartoons are not the same as they used to be, and I spend a lot of time just really appreciating uh, the wonderful animation that was on the screen. The other truth is I also wanted to make sure that we had something a little bit lighter after seeing Hunger Games the previous week. Some of you thought Hunger Games was a bit, well, intense. And I thought maybe Frozen would be a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to sort of even things out a little bit. And, of course, whenever you want that, you go to an animation film. I mean, they never have anything really powerful or significant to say, right? Well, of course, this movie is about love. It does have some messages to it. There's one, that love rarely works when everything isn't laid out truthfully. A lot of things happen because there's misunderstanding in this movie. Uh, Anna is left to wonder why she's rejected, and if she'd only known the reason, maybe things would have happened different for her. Maybe instead of living a life feeling she was deprived of love as a child, she wouldn't have gone out and said yes to marry the first guy she met. Of course, there's a quest in the movie, and all great movies do have a quest, whether it's a car chase or a long journey. And here the quest is for uh, Anna to go attempt to save her sister to meet Kristoff and to discover that love is what she really needs to save the day. And, of course, that is true, that in the end it is love that is necessary to melt a frozen heart. But this is not the love of Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. It is not a sweet, true love kiss by the handsome prince. No, it's radical love. It's true love. It's sacrificial love. It's a love between family members 
that brings healing and new life. It's a good message. I'm glad that that message exists. I would love to have had my daughters see it when they were young, discovered they didn't need a prince to save them, even though they found good guys in case they happened to watch this. I want to be clear. I'm not talking about you boys. You're all good. Matt, Martin, I like you. But you know what I mean. And in a world where love seems to be all around us, perhaps it's a message we still need to hear because while it's all around us, it's rarely within us and we seem still to be drowning in a lack of it. We've discovered that so much of what we call love is a lie, that there's a lot of sentimentality and shallow titillation and very kind, sweet manipulation in the world that people try to pass off as love, but it's not. The love we are offered is often tainted with expectations that they'll love us for as long as we behave properly, act in such a way that makes others control our lives. Love offered is usually all too often tenuous and promised for as long as things don't get rough or self-fulfilling. And the same is often true for the love we offer. And some try to buy their love. It should be easy because almost every product out there promises us to get love if we only buy it. And so we buy cars and clothes and snacks, even embrace politics and somehow get us into communities where we think we're loved. But eventually the cars become just cars, our clothes get too small, and the snacks do not create the party that they promise. And the, the politics and communities we join with because we think if we think alike, we'll find love, we discover instead have only created division and hate and made promises of a new day seem frozen and demeaning rhetoric. Perhaps the love that's promised to us all around us really isn't love. And in the words of the great theologians Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, Perhaps we discover that all we've really had are lousy lovers who've been selecting their prey, and that perhaps we all need at times life to shatter our illusions of love. The movie Frozen is more than just a fun night out. It is a message of hope for those who've received, given, or shared illusions of love. It is a message for those on a quest in life where to turn when we are lost and confused about love. We, like Anna, need to go to the love experts. You know the love experts in the movie? Those odd-looking creatures out in the woods, not allowed near the town. Of course, they're odd-looking. They're trolls. They're trolls who are love experts. They don't look like it. They're the last people in the last place you'd expect to find them, but they know the secret of love. They love each other. And they love others who come into their midst who aren't like them and don't look like them. Kristoff was raised by them, though they're very different. He found unconditional love amidst a group of trolls who were the love experts. They help Anna and Kristoff to discover a love that they had been blinded to. And their words and love give Anna direction for her quest to save her sister to make her ready to be what she needed to be in love at the most critical time. True love changed her, and that true love eventually changed her community. As I watched the movie, I thought to myself, if only the world had love experts to go to, 
people who could help us with our brokenness of love, our false promises of love, our hunger for love. If only there were love experts in the world. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, but that one goes to lay down their life for their friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I pointed you, and I've loved you. And I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. That's right. Does it shock you to discover that you and I were always intended to be the love experts in this world? We're called to be the love experts. We're called to be the people who exhibit and experience and offer such a radical form of love in the world. So let me ask you this question. Why oftentimes do we feel more like trolls? Anybody else? There are days that I don't feel all that loving. I feel more trollish, you understand? And probably more days when the people around me would identify me more as a troll than as a great lover. Do you understand? But we're called to be the great love experts. Why is it the case that that doesn't happen more freely from us, among us, and out to the world? Well... The answer seems fairly clearly if you see the movie Frozen or if you dare to read the gospel because you cannot know such love until you have first received such love. Until you know how the love of Jesus feels, until you know its power and strength capturing your heart and soul, until Jesus quits being an idea to you and becomes a force of love within you, you can't be a love expert. On the days in which I'm more trollish, I know that I've slipped into my rational side and I'm able to talk a good game about Jesus, but I know nothing about the ability to love like him. For the love of Christ is so different from what I naturally want to snap into to my holy love because my holy love is pretty shallow, fairly self-focused. and contains just a tinge of judgment but not the love of Christ. The love of Christ is tender, but it's also extremely strong. It will not wilt in the face of danger or challenges. The love of Christ isn't concerned with judgment at all and far more concerned with inclusion and radically loving others. It's concerned with holy relationships, and it's filled with a mixture of joy and respect and happiness and affirmation and meaning and purpose and justice. And that's why Jesus begins this passage by talking about the vine and the branches. He's talking about the fact that you you can't love unless you are connected like a vine and a branch to each other, as if the love of Christ is flowing directly from him into me to us and out to others. And when we break that relationship of love with Christ, we're trolling. We must experience the love of Christ and receive it before we can give it away. So how do you do that? You do it like any other love you seek after. You seek after it. You yearn for it. You pray for it. You practice it. And you embrace it and welcome it when it comes. 
John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was a 10-year Anglican priest, serving, leading, preaching, until one day he met up with a group of people who asked him this very simple question, do you know what it is to feel the love of Jesus in your heart? Well, what are you going to say if you're a 10-year pastor? You say, well, yeah, of course. And then later in his journal, he admitted it wasn't true. He could talk theology, he could preach, but he could not love. And he changed his focus. He quit trying to be so erudite in his speaking, he became more passionate about learning the love of Christ. And it was not until one night when he least expected it that he became overwhelmed with love. Have you ever had someone ask you the question, do you believe in the possibility of love at first sight in a moment? Well, I don't know if it's true with human beings, but I know it's true with God. Because the first moment you feel it, it's not, I mean, it's overwhelming. And overwhelmed Wesley and changed his life. And because he was changed, the entire community around him, we call it England, was changed. To know love is to then be able to share it. To not know love is to be able to only talk about it and make no difference in the world. Brendan Manning is one of my heroes. He's one of the saints that I honor, and he just recently passed away. Reflecting on him, I remember him talking about uh, the disciple John, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and all that. Well, John was the youngest, and it is said in the Gospel of John that Jesus loved him most of all. Brendan Manning, thinking about that, thinking about the fact that not only was he named that, but it was, it was John, the only disciple who was there, who stayed through the entire crucifixion, the killing of Christ, who would not abandon him. He thought about it later, and he said, I wonder if later when people ask, who are you? He could have said, well, I'm, I'm one of the original disciples. Uh, I've got a gospel with my name attached to it. You know, I'm one of the leaders of the church. He could have used all kinds of things to describe himself. But he said, you know what I think he did? I think when people said, who are you? He said, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. What an amazing thing to be able to say. Brendan Manning goes on to suggest. What if when people ask us, who are you? Instead of saying, well, I'm Methodist or I'm liberal or I'm conservative or I'm... Why don't we just say, I'm the one Jesus loves? And not in arrogance as if, and more than you. But rather, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And I'd like to share that love with you because he loves you too. Brennan Manning was was being asked by a group. He was speaking to, do you have a final word for us? And he says this, yes, I do. Instead of being identified as a community that memorizes scriptures, why not be identified as a community of professional lovers? It causes people to say how they love one another. Why do we judge Jesus' criterion for authentic discipleship irrelevant? Jesus said the world is going to recognize you as his by only one sign, the way you are with one another in the street every day. You're going to leave people either a little bit better or a little bit worse. You're going to affirm them or deprive them, but there will be no neutral exchange. If we are a Christian community... If we as a Christian community took seriously that the sign of our love for Jesus is our love for one another, I'm convinced that it would change the world. We are denying to the world the one witness Jesus asked for, love one another as I have loved you. 
Are you ready to say that about yourself? Are you ready to wear the T-shirt? I'm the one whom Jesus loves. And stand there ready then to offer the same love to a world who's got no clue what that love feels like. Until we know that to be true, we can't be the love experts. But once we know it to be true, we are called to be the love experts. Because the love experts, as Jesus defines it, has no sense of arrogance or privilege, but rather a hunger and a desire to love as Jesus loved, to go the full way. Yes, even to die for those who do not understand, even those who hate us, to love that much, to change the world. Jesus did not come to leave us like trolls, though that's where many of us began in our relationship with him. Instead, he has come to teach us love. He's come to show us love. He's come to tell us that we are loved, and he's called to make of each one of us love experts. He told them this. You know where this passage is, right? It's in John 15. In just a couple of chapters, he's killed. He knows what's coming. And he says, I want you to love so radically. And they looked at him like, what do you mean? He said, well, then you're just going to have to watch. And he showed them what he meant. His love was so strong that he was willing to die before them and for them and for us. And it is in his dying and in his resurrection, surrounded by his sacrificial love, that we are loved enough to become the love experts for the world. When asked what love is, we need not come up with anything more than this. Love is what Jesus gave us. Love is what we have, and it's what we have to offer to you. Love is what has been given to us in the name of Christ and what in the name of Christ we offer to you, to all, for all. At the end of the movie, it was sacrificial love that saved the day, a willingness to die that someone else might live. Sacrificial love has always been what saves you and saves me and all the kingdoms of the world. It was a good movie. It's a better gospel, and they're about love. They're about us, each one of us, the love experts, you know, the ones that Jesus loves. Amen.